Welcome to The Gallipod with me, Gallipocidia. In this episode, I'm reading part four of my thick Scaredy Cat. If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. Content warning, this story deals with themes of depression and PTSD. I hope you enjoy Scaredy Cat. Chapter 7 Harry wasn't sure where that left them. It was pretty obvious that he and Draco were drawn to each other, but also that Draco had no intention of breaking up with Neville, and what was Harry supposed to do with that? Go to Quidditch matches with Draco, apparently. Draco became rather aggressive about pursuing their friendship. Aggressively, and with ulterior motives, he had said, about how he had befriended Ron and Hermione. Harry wondered if there was an ulterior motive now, and, if there was, whether Draco had any idea what he was doing. At night, on bad days, Harry saw everything very clearly. Draco was in love with Neville, and felt sorry for Harry because Harry was pathetic and washed up and embarrassing. At night, on bad days, Harry understood that it was shameful that he saw Draco at all, when the dynamics between them were so uneven. Draco knowing that Harry loved him, and Draco feeling nothing but pity in return. But those moments of miserable clarity gave way, in the day, to a more muddled need. So he never turned Draco down, even though half the time Neville came too. The first time Neville came with them to a Quidditch match, he waited till Draco went to the loo to have a proper talk. I know you shagged Draco, he said. Harry jerked his head around to stare at him. What? Did he tell you that? he asked. No, said Neville, bitterly. He said you didn't. Right. And you don't believe him? asked Harry. All Slytherins lie, said Neville, his jaw tight. Harry wanted to shake him, because actually he sort of agreed, but... You're supposed to trust your boyfriend, though, he said. Neville just pressed his forehead into Harry's shoulder. Please, he said, please let me have this. I'm not... said Harry. I'm not doing anything. Cuddling without me, boys, said Draco sliding between them on the bench and giving Neville a quick peck on the mouth. Harry wanted to confide in someone, and he knew Ron and Hermione would have been receptive and kind, but there was something about their united front that made him dread the thought. He considered Luna, and Ginny, and even Marcus Flint, but in the end it was Pansy he told. She came in through the flue at 10pm on a Tuesday, gurning her face off and high as a kite. Harry, I brought you something, she said and gave him the lollipop she had been sucking on. Ah, thanks, Pant, said Harry. Do you have any eyes? she asked. Huge pupils, sweaty, wearing old workout clothes and no makeup, her jaw working horribly as her muscles clenched. Do you often get high by yourself, Pansy? asked Harry, filling a glass with ice and giving it to her. She picked up a wedge of ice and put it down the front of her top. Yes, she said, lolling her head. Is that bad? It's not great, said Harry. Want some ice? asked Pansy. No thanks. Feels good, she said. It's good to feel good for once. <laughs> yeah, said Harry, with a small smile. I get that. They ended up on the floor in front of the fire. I'm sorry, she said, pointing and flexing her toes. She kept alternating between rubbing ice all over her skin and wrapping herself in thick blankets. It's okay said Harry. I was scared I thought he would kill everyone, she said. I'm sorry. Honestly, Pansy, it's fine. We've been over this. It would be so sad if you were dead, she said. Harry wanted to divert her thoughts because her gurning had got worse and her lips were beginning to bleed. 
think I'm in love with Draco, he said. Pansy's chewed-up mouth spread into a wide smile. Ah, she said, dreamily. That's good. He loves you too. Harry shook his head. He's not right for you, though, said Pansy. He's all fucked up. She stretched her hands above her head and rolled her neck. He and Neville can be fucked up together. It felt childish to say, but I'm fucked up too. Anyway, maybe he wasn't, compared with other people. When she began to come down, he took her up to his bedroom and held her when she asked him to, even though her muscles kept twitching and she smoked spliff after spliff, ashing on the pillowcase. Occasionally, she punctured his twilight sleep with sad little statements like, I tried meditation, or Dean made me go to therapy, but it didn't work. He said it would work. They were iceberg stories, the tips of a whole miserable existence, and Harry had no way to answer. It was past noon when she woke up. Harry had taken the day off work to look after her. He brought up a tray of whole wheat pancakes, orange juice and tea. Harry, she said blankly, when she saw the tray. She looked pretty, in a tired, rescue-me sort of way. Were you always this lovely? Yeah, said Harry. Of course. Famously lovely. Pansy lunged forward and kissed him. Harry started away. Pansy, oh God, she said, and began to cry. Harry sat awkwardly next to her on the bed and patted her shoulder. I'm sorry, she said. I'm so sorry. You must think I'm beyond pathetic. I mean, compared to you, I have no reason at all. No, said Harry. I don't think that. We've been through hell, we all have. Of course you're not over it. No one expects you to be. It was like tickling, he realised. You couldn't tickle yourself. He could say those words to Pansy and mean them, but applied to himself, they lost all their effect. How can you be so nice to me, she wept, when I was awful my entire life? You're not awful now, said Harry. I'm a little awful, she said. I don't think so, said Harry. Anyway, it's better, liking you. It's so much nicer. I wish we could have liked each other all along. Pansy raised her head to look at him, silvery tears clinging to her eyelashes. You have no idea how much we look up to you, she said. Uh, said Harry. We? All of us. Our friends. Everyone. Harry stared at her, momentarily stunned by the notion that anyone he knew might still admire him. You've really got your shit together, she said. It was like a blow. He turned away and tried to smile. I don't know about that, he said. He stood. Eat your pancakes, I'll get cold. Here, let me heal your mouth first. A few hours later, she had eaten and showered and cried again. She hugged him goodbye. Pansy, don't tell anyone what I said about Draco. I won't, said Pansy. Not even for some conniving Slytherin reason, please. She looked up. Okay, I really won't. She bit her lip. Please don't tell anyone that I tried to kiss you. When? You must have dreamt it, said Harry. She looked him seriously in the eye. I won't ever forget how kind you were to me today. Any time, said Harry. Oh, she's all right, said Draco, stopping to sample some cheese at the cheese stall. At his insistence, he and Harry went to the farmer's market every Saturday. Pans has always been a bit wild. 
There's Wild, and then there's taking pills by yourself on a Tuesday, said Harry. She's not okay, Draco. Draco bought a San Felician cheese and a ceramic dish. Hold this, he said, handing Harry a large bouquet of sunflowers. They smelled fresh and summery, and it occurred to Harry that he didn't have less money than Draco did. He just spent it on worse things. Meal deal sandwiches from the chemists on the way to the office. Lukewarm bottles of Sprite. Out-of-season fruit. When Draco had finished paying, he turned his attention back on Harry. Fine, he said. If you must know, Pansy has a drug problem and none of us have any idea what to do about it. I thought no one knew, said Harry. I didn't know, really. It's because she's witty when she talks about it. It can be hard to know when she's serious. Blazers like that do. He spent the whole year he was nineteen making suicide jokes, and we didn't find out until last year that he actually attempted it twice. Oh, said Harry. Draco took the sunflowers back from him. Maybe we should all see Terrapthrists, he said. Uh, Terrapthrists? asked Harry. Yes, you know, Dean's always banging on about them. By the way, have you noticed how few motherborns we're friends with as a group? It's a bit fucked up, isn't it? I haven't thought about it, said Harry. I think about it all the time, said Draco, gloomily. Did you mean therapists? asked Harry. Is that not what I said? You said Terrapthrists. Well, fuck, said Draco. I've been telling everyone about Terrapthrists. Pansy said she went, and it didn't help, said Harry. Pansy just thought our Terrapthrist was stupid. Sorry, what's the word again? Therapist. Draco closed his eyes. Therapist, 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 he murmured. Therapist. My father says muggle words are harder to pronounce, but Hermione says if muggle-borns can learn to pronounce Elphias Doge, wizards can figure out how to say Exultricity. Electricity, corrected Harry. Fuck! Harry laughed at him, and Draco knocked into him with one shoulder, a shy grin on his face. Anywhere I might go to one, said Draco. Dean says it's just someone you pay money to talk to about yourself. I pay money for all sorts of things I enjoy far less than talking about myself. I don't like talking about myself, said Harry. Draco sighed. It's been awful discovering that all your qualities are genuine, he said. Is that a quality? Humility? Of course, said Draco. Harry wasn't convinced, but he didn't fancy dissecting his flaws with Draco, whose hair shone silvery white in the morning sun, and who seemed so very contented. They spent a lot of time together, in those months. Draco grew slowly more comfortable around Harry, although he still occasionally froze up when he made a joke, and became formal and academic as he explained that the joke did not, in fact, represent his views. Draco, I know you wouldn't actually punch Ron, said Harry. Because I don't want to. And even if I wanted to, violence is never the answer. Harry thought of casting the Cruciatus curse on Amicus Caro. Sometimes it's the answer, he said. Draco's eyes became rather panicky. Uh, he said. Calm down. Okay. As a general rule, violence is not the answer, said Harry. And they went back to their game of exploding snap. They went flying together. Harry had dinner with Draco and Neville at their perfect fucking house. They went to Quidditch matches and board game nights at Ron and Hermione's. When Luna threw an elucidation ceremony, Draco stood tensely beside Harry at the stone circle and waved his burning sage. Okay, Harry asked him, quietly. Draco's eyes kept flicking between Neville and Luna, although Neville and Luna were both ostentatiously not looking at each other. Yes, said Draco. How can I not be okay with it, said Draco two days later, at the pub he and Harry liked to go to. It's Luna. I mean, 
let's break it down, shall we? He was gesticulating too much, not meeting Harry's eye. Harry wondered if he had talked to anyone else about this. It didn't seem like he had. The words felt fresh and unspilled. And Harry was puzzled by that. When had he become Draco's first choice for anything? A. Luna is my cousin, said Draco. And I know, I know, I of all people should be aware that just because someone is from your family doesn't mean that... Um, it doesn't mean... He stopped, put his head in his hands. But family can still be important to you all the same, said Harry. Draco cast him a grateful look. Yes, precisely. Which leads us to point B, I love her. She is, or she was, someone I thought of with pure and unadulterated affection. And the fact that that's more complicated now is absolute shite, basically. God, am I the most boring person in this pub? The guys over there are talking about finance, said Harry. I overheard them when I was getting our drinks. Oh, God, that's a relief. Just the most boring person at this table, then. I'm not bored, said Harry. Well, you're very polite. Point C is in many ways the most salient. Perhaps I should have begun with it. Okay, yes, call it point A. I imprisoned her in my dungeon for... He put his head back in his hands. Draco, said Harry. Uh, yeah, so, that's the first point to consider, because um, that's quite a bit worse than sleeping with someone's boyfriend, by most standards. Maybe not if you're a moral relativist, but certainly in our culture, not to generalise, but... Draco. I think most people in our era and context would agree that, generally speaking, it's worse to lock up a teenage girl for a year than to sleep with someone else's boyfriend. Okay, said Harry. But they're both shit. Not equally shit, but still both definitively shit. Do you want me to shut up? asked Draco. No, said Harry. Draco lifted his eyes wearily to the ceiling. You wouldn't tell me if you did. Okay, I'll shut up. It's okay to feel complicated about Luna, said Harry. I feel complicated about Luna since she did that. It was fucked up. Neville's the one who should have said no, said Draco. He fiddled with a cardboard coaster, rolling it up and down the table with his palm. Okay, no, it's fine. You know what Oprah would say? Oprah? God, having a television is great, said Draco. Yes, Oprah would probably tell me to... to forgive and move on. And you know what? I have. You've moved on. Yes, said Draco, nodding forcefully. Just now. Congratulate me. I'm enlightened. You're funny when you're sad, said Harry. Draco gave him a strange look. Not always, he said. And Harry was transported back to standing at the top of the stairs, to Draco telling him that he was scared, but not because Harry was frightening. No, said Harry. And they stared at each other, suddenly so much more than friends. They didn't only hang out one-on-one, -on -one, although they did that a lot. Draco had a habit of showing up at Grimmauld Place wearing eyeliner and his black jacket with all the zippers and forcing Harry to come out. I'm tired, Harry would say. You have to come. Millie is coming, and you know she never comes to parties. I don't want to get drunk. Neither do I. Let's be sober and bitch about the stupid drunks. Where's Neville? Already there. Harry, come on. Hermione said she was going to wear a dress. <sighs> well, in that case. And it was easier to go out when Draco was your particular friend, because he was always at the centre of everything, and he made it so effortless. And he made it so effortless. He'd hold out a hand to Harry on the dance floor and pull him into a throng. If Harry left the room during a game of charades at a house party, Draco would force the game to stop until Harry got back. 
He filled Harry in on in-jokes he didn't understand, and included Harry in everything. You know, he said to Harry once, I think people worry so much about bothering you that they leave you out. Harry's heart had sped up, although Harry wasn't sure why. Maybe it was because it was such a generous interpretation of Harry's loneliness. Maybe, he said. He smiled, hoping it seemed casual. I like that you bother me. And they'd had another one of their moments then, when Draco had looked at him with heavy meaningfulness, and Harry would have kissed him if it weren't for the fact that Draco was happily dating someone else. Chapter 8 Do you want to know something fucked up? asked Draco. They were at a minor league Quidditch match. Neville hadn't come, which was a relief, because Neville seemed to be going through some stuff and had an unpleasant habit of bursting into tears when his team missed a play. I don't know, do I? said Harry. Draco smiled. I sort of miss being a cat sometimes, he said. Harry laughed. Really? Yes. I even asked Blaze to cast it on me again, but he wouldn't. Said you would kill him. Is this you asking for my permission? No, said Draco. He made a sweet little pawing motion with his hand. I just miss it. It was relaxing. Well, said Harry, a definitely very bad idea occurring to him. I do have a cursed object that would turn you into a kitten. What? Is it a sex thing? Not everything is a sex thing, said Harry, although he was forced to undermine this statement immediately. But, yes, it is a sex thing. It's... If you mention this to Blaze, I will kill you. Hermione bought me a book on impact play last week because Blaze told her I wanted to explore flogging. Draco made an impatient, waving gesture. I want to hear about the cursed sex cat object. It's a collar. And if you think the starter word, it turns you into a kitten. Then all you have to do to transform back is think the safe word. Why is that illegal? How peculiar. Can I try it? Yeah, but I can't give it to you. It's still technically owned by the department, said Harry. That's fine. You can supervise. How marvellous. I can't tell you how I've missed purring. They went back to Harry's office after the match. Harry found the collar in one of his cabinets and held it out to Draco. Draco couldn't manage the clasp. Harry, can you... Uh, yeah, said Harry, flooding with dread. Draco stood perfectly still and let Harry work the clasp. It was at the front of his throat, and Harry could feel his hot skin beneath his fingers. Thank you, said Draco, and they looked at each other like that again. Um, okay, so, said Harry, stepping away and clearing his throat. The starter word, believe it or not, is kitten. The safe word is not kitten. Do you know, I think originality is overstated. I like the simplicity of kitten. Draco instantly turned into a kitten. Harry had wondered whether he would look different, but he was the same. Small, fluffy, white, and promptly hiding beneath Harry's desk. Harry sat on the floor. Draco? The kitten poked a very tentative head out from under the desk. Hi said Harry, but the kitten seemed uninterested in him. Not until he had walked around the entire perimeter of the office did he come to Harry. He gave his soft, pathetic meow. Yeah? Me too, mate, said Harry, and picked him up. It was somehow different, picking up the kitten now that he and Draco were friends. Harry felt more comfortable manhandling him. He curled the kitten up into a small ball in his hands. Look how small you are, said Harry, and the kitten purred. Harry held him tucked under his chin for about ten minutes, then said, You should probably change back, just to check you can. A moment later, 
he was holding human Draco in his lap, Draco's head under his chin. Hmm, sighed Draco happily. It works. For a second, neither of them moved. Draco's legs were crooked over Harry's, their bodies pressed against each other. He was warm and solid, and Harry wanted so badly to have some kind of claim on him. Instead, he said, We should put the collar back. Draco shifted slightly, put his hands on Harry's chest so that he could push up and bare his neck to Harry. Harry determinedly looked only at the collar, not at Draco's face, so near and so exquisite. Harry fumbled the clasp several times before he got it. He drew the collar away from Draco's neck, but Draco did not move. There was barely an inch between their lips. Draco closed his eyes, and Harry knew with a certainty he rarely experienced any more that Draco wanted Harry to kiss him. And Harry might have done it, if Draco had been anyone else. He wanted Draco enough not to care that it would hurt Neville, that it would be destructive and reckless. But it was Draco, and Draco would never forgive himself. You should get going, said Harry. Neville will be wondering where you are. Draco's eyes flew open. Ugh, yes, said Draco, and scrambled to his feet. Harry put the collar back in the cabinet. Draco did not ask to use it again. One time, Draco said to Harry, idly, Would you be my best man if Nev and I got married? They were waiting for their cheesy chips at the local chip shop after a night out with their friends, minus Neville, who Draco said was stressed, whatever that meant. They were hungry beyond sociability, and Harry was completely out of it. Draco's question had the same effect as a bucket of ice water to the face. You're engaged? Draco blinked, surprised. No, it's a hypothetical question. Harry fixed his eyes on the laminated menu on the counter they leant against. What about Goyle? Greg's a childhood friend, he doesn't know me. Blaze? Theo? Ron? Hermione? Literally anyone else? Draco grimaced at the counter. All right, good to know. Surely you can see that it would be a bad idea, said Harry. Yeah, sorry I asked. God, how long can cheesy chips take? What are they doing, growing the potatoes from scratch? Don't marry Neville, said Harry. Draco glanced at him. He looked as if he might say something and then the chips arrived. In late January, Harry came home from work to find his house filled with all the people he liked most in the world, wearing party hats and pulling party poppers. Surprise! they shouted. Lee Jordan set off indoor fireworks. There was confetti. Harry was baffled. Are you surprised? asked Hermione, kissing his cheek. Uh, yes, said Harry, given that my birthday's not for another six months. It was Draco's idea. It's your half-birthday said Hermione. And sure enough, there was Draco, talking in undertones with Ginny, who held half a cake with twenty-four and a half candles. He grinned when he caught Harry's eye. Harry loved him so much it was hard not to push through the crowd and kiss him in front of everybody. Draco said everyone had to give you half a gift, said Neville, who Harry hadn't noticed was nearby. So he and I clubbed together and got you season tickets to the tornadoes. Neville looked too thin, and he hadn't shaved. Harry's heart roiled with guilt. Thank you so much, he said. Wow, thanks. How have you been? Draco says you've been busy with work. Yeah, yeah, good, said Neville. He was looking at Harry too hard, with an expression that was almost pleading. And you? Good, thanks. Hope you're not working too much, said Harry, 
because it seemed like the most polite way to express you look like shit and your friends are worried about you. Love my work, said Neville. Only time I'm really happy. Uh, said Harry. But Blaze barged into the conversation like a car through a glass window in an action film. Harry, hello, happy half-birthday. You look quite bamboozled. Draco told us to buy half a gift, but I'm still trying to get you to like me again, so I bought you this very expensive port and these antique port glasses. Would you like me to tell you how much it cost altogether? Because it was a lot. No, that's okay, said Harry, taking the port and the port glasses. Thanks. Have I bought my way back into your favour yet? No, said Harry. Blaze gave an extravagant sigh and draped himself over Neville. Quel dommage! But no fear, Harry. I'll buy you something so extravagant for your real birthday that you'll have to be my friend again, he said. Gifts are not the way to my heart, Blaze. What a mysterious statement. Care to tell us all what is? Neville looked sharply at Harry. Ah, uh, food, said Harry. The cake was delicious. All the Weasleys were there, and Hagrid. Harry was catching up with him in the dining room when Draco came in. Oh, sorry, he said. Malfoy, said Hagrid. And for the first time, Harry understood how hostile it sounded when everyone who cared about Draco used his first name. He saw how Draco stood straighter and lowered his eyes and spoke stiffly to Hagrid, as if the name Malfoy had been an insult that Draco was trying not to acknowledge. When Draco started to leave, Harry called after him. Draco! Draco turned around. This is the best half-birthday ever, said Harry. Draco gave him a radiant smile. Can't be too hard, given that you didn't even have drinks with friends on your real birthday, he said. Ah, that's what this is about, said Harry. Of course, said Draco. Can't be friends with the poor old Sado. Harry's not a Sado, said Hagrid, gruffly. He's the most beloved wizard of our time, and if you can't see that, Malfoy... It's okay, Hagrid, he's only joking. We're friends, said Harry. By the time he had convinced Hagrid that Draco wasn't bullying him, Draco was gone. Harry searched through the house for him. It was a Herculean task, because Draco appeared to have invited everyone Harry had ever spoken to. Victor Crumb was there, and earnestly entreated Harry to come visit his new lake house in Bulgaria any time Harry liked. Definitely, said Harry. Definitely, I have to go now, but very excited to, uh, lake it up. Hannah Abbott, Justin Finch-Fletchley, Michael Corner, Terry Boot, who was indeed handing out drugs, Draco had been right about that. Practically everyone in the DA... Every student from their year at Hogwarts, all smiling and wishing him a happy half-birthday. But no Draco. Harry had almost given up when Pansy got up on a chair and began to clink her glass with a spoon. Harry paused by the front hall banister, distinctly nervous. But Pansy seemed sober for once. The crowd fell silent. Harry, she said, we all know there was no love lost between us for the first, hmm, seven years of our acquaintance. Laughter. And frankly, you're still insufferable, she went on. Hear, hear, said Blaze. But not for the reasons I thought. Not because you're stuck up, or attention-seeking, or a despicably smug goody-goody. Is it normal to roast the half-birthday boy? shouted Harry across the room. Pansy laughed and shook her head. No. You're not any of those things we mistook you for. But you're still insufferable, Harry. Because do you know what insufferable means? It means too extreme to bear. And it's true. I still can't bear you, Harry, because you're so kind you reorder the world. You love people who don't deserve it, and help people without expecting anything in return. And, ultimately, you're so good 
that it's insufferable. It's hard to bear. Because it's so lovely, it's hard to look at. Harry felt faint. He was surprised to find that he didn't feel self-conscious, because Pansy was watching him so affectionately, and he only had eyes for her. Pansy broke away her gaze and raised her glass. Friends and foes. A toast. To the insufferable Harry Potter. And the whole crowd lifted their glasses, shouting to the insufferable Harry Potter. The rest of the evening was a wonderful blur. It was, as more than one person remarked, rather like a wedding. For Harry, it was gloriously, magically overwhelming. He had never before realised that so many people felt so strongly about him. And Draco, who had organised it all, was nowhere to be found, not until the early hours of the morning, when people began to leave, and Harry found him washing up in the kitchen. Hi, he said, when he saw Harry. He had his sleeves rolled up, and his hands were sudsy. He used his forearm to push his hair out of his face, looking exhausted. Are you all right? I didn't realise it would turn into such a rager. Are you having a terrible time? Was it torture? It was perfect, said Harry. Katie Bell was making out with Oliver Wood in a corner, and George Weasley was having what looked like a profound conversation with Dean and Seamus at the kitchen table. That's a relief, said Draco. Was worried you'd be furious at me. Harry shook his head and thrust his hands into his pockets so that he wouldn't try to touch Draco, to push back that strand of hair that kept falling into his eyes. I'm sorry about what Hagrid said, said Harry. What? God, don't be. It was nothing. I shouldn't have made that stupid joke. I'm sorry if I was out of order. Harry came closer. You weren't. You never are. Well, that's patently untrue, said Draco, returning to his dishwashing. Listen, I have to go soon, but I'll come back in the morning and clean up. Ron said he'd help. You won't have to do a thing. I don't know how to thank you for tonight, said Harry, his voice coming out husky and overwrought. Draco looked alarmed. It's really nothing, he said. Did you hear Pansy's speech? I helped her with it, said Draco. The first draft was utterly scathing. I reminded her that Mrs. Weasley would not take kindly to anyone poking at her precious Harry. It was, said Harry, then swallowed. Nice. Draco looked at him. Yeah? Harry could only nod, and Draco laughed affectionately. Oh, you poor twenty-four and a half-year-old thing, he said. You're dead on your feet. Dean, come put Harry to bed, will you? Dean leapt to his feet and dragged Harry away, even as Harry still struggled to explain to Draco, to express to him what it had meant to him, what it had signified, that party. That was part four of Scaredy Cat, written and read by Gallop Next week there won't be an episode, but part five will come out in two weeks. Don't forget to join my newsletter if you fancy at newsletter.gallopod.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app, or maybe tell a friend who you think might like the show. I also have an Instagram at Let Me Books, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. And thank you for listening.